drinking coffee, and uh, I'm praying so God's word can fall on a good heart, on a good soil. Amen. So um, we are in the first anniversary of this worldwide lockdown, and here we are. We're still here. Um, pat, give yourself pat in the back. Um, everything we do around this world change the way we do church, the way we do school, the way we do work. Um, but one thing never changed is our Lord Jesus Christ still sitting on the throne. And today, from all million of voices out there, we want to set aside 30 minutes to listen to the one voice. Amen? Just the one voice that we need to hear. Just shut down everything else. Put your phone on airplane, airplane mode. And um, just lean in. And God has a special portion for all of us today in this place. Amen? I want to read to you from Nehemiah uh, chapter 1. It's just going to be very short verse. And um, I'm praying that um, this word is going to be for all of us. Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem in late autumn in the month of Kislev, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who have been returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Verse 3, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, when I heard this, how many of us here have, have heard bad news lately? Have heard bad reports from your homeland or even from the local news? And you are feeling burdened about it just like Nehemiah and he said when I heard this I sat down and I wept in fact for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven and then I said oh Lord God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands listen to my prayer Lord look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the degree, decrees and regulation that you gave us through your servant Moses. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray for a little bit. Jesus, we want to feast on your word this morning, Lord. God, help us focus in this world where we are bombarded by a million things, a million voices around us, a million concerns and burdens, God, I sanctify this 30, the next 30 minutes just to hear your voice. God, help us focus. Help us set aside and shut down all of the distractions so we can lean in and receive from you. Anoint these words. Anoint your servants, Lord. Let there be less of us and more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody settle down. Are you ready for this? Okay, guys, um, a little bit background about this story. What happened was a major lockdown for Israelites for 70 years, okay? So I'm praying that our lockdown is not going to last for the next 69 years because we had one, okay? We had one year down. So the Israelites has been in ca captivity for Babylonian for 70 years. Um, 
they could not worship in the temple. Um, they couldn't be with their families. They were prisoners for Babylon for 70 years. Now, during that captivity, first of all, they're under Babylonian um, um, power. But then the Persian uh, kingdom came in and overtook um, the, the, the Babylonian. And now the Israelites are under new management. Now, thankfully, this Persian leadership allowed them to return to their homeland uh, in, in Jerusalem stage by stage. There are three stages. Sound familiar? The governor is starting to release and reopen things, stage one, stage two, and we're on stage three, praise God. So what happened was the government of Israel, the Persian people, start to release them to go back to their new normal stage by stage. First stage was under Ezra, uh, Jerubabel. Second stage was, were under Ezra. And now we're talking about the third stage here under Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. So everybody's following me. So, so, so everybody's excited. Okay, we can go back now. Everything can go back to normal. We can, we can worship back in the temple again. How many of you are excited to return to the temple to worship again, right? We are so excited to go back to normal. But listen here. Um, the question that Jeremiah, uh, Nehemiah was asking was key. It was crucial. He was asking in verse, in verse 2. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity, about how things were going with them in Jerusalem. Notice here that Nehemiah didn't ask the question, so how's the protocols happening in the temple? How are they worshiping God? Is everything back to normal in, in the temple? Did everybody, everybody did their job? No, 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 no. He was asking the right kind of questions. He was asking, how are they doing? No, really. How are you guys doing spiritually, mentally? How are we really doing? Because things might be going back to normal slowly from the outside, but there are ramifications of this trauma that has been happening for the past years. And guys, things are not doing well on the inside. And this is what his brother answered him. Things are not doing well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great, great trouble and disgrace because the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed. How many of us here have been hearing the same kind of reports like Nehemiah? You've been hearing that I'm not doing well. Maybe you are not doing well. The doctor's prognosis is still not good. The cancer is still there. The spiritual condition of our family back home is not good. The anxiety level is high. Guys, the city, our city is still in ruins, spiritually and mentally. Look around. How many of us has received bad news and have been living with the burden of a bad news for, for a while? And we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to say with it. We just probably try to brush it off with watching movies or scrolling. And, but that burden is still there no matter how hard you shake it. It's probably your unbelieving family members or grandparents or parents or even your neighbors and coworkers. The wall has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed. Guys, the, the, wall, the walls and the gates here represent protection. When there's no protection, people are in a very, very vulnerable state for attack. 
and the enemy has been attacking. It's not been attacking them from, from the physical eye, but they've been attacking you on your mind, inside your mind, inside your spirit again and again. See, there's no hope. See, you're good for nothing. See, that God has forgotten about you. See, God has moved on. There's nothing else left for you to do. There's nothing you can do. Guys, those are lies. It's time to rebuild the wall because without protection, we are in very vulnerable state from, for attacks. So the people are living in constant fear, constant fear and anxiety of what to come. So even things go back to normal, they're still not doing well. So the next 20 minutes, the next 30 minutes, this message is for those of us who are burdened with something. There's just this burden in your heart that you cannot shake off no matter how hard you try. There are names that God has put in your hearts that is very obvious that that is the last person you think about at night and the first person you think in the morning. And that is not a coincidence. That is not just you being nosy. It's not just us being kepo, you know, like, how's he doing? How's she doing? No, no, no. That burden comes from the Holy Spirit. That burden comes from the Lord himself because you and me are the change agent for this this exact situation, this exact burden that God has put in your heart. It might be a ministry. It might be a city. It might be the names of the broken and the hurting people that has been, it's, it's her, Joy. It's her. It's him. D, it's, it's, it's him. It's her. Nicole, it's her. God has been putting these names in your heart. And God is calling you just like Nehemiah to go down from your palace and start to build. Amen. Go down from your palace. Go down from our comfort zones and start to build. It might be even the name of our own children. We want them to know Jesus, right? So I want to share with you a few um, principles from the, the book of Nehemiah. And I hope you can write it down. And I hope you can carry these principles um, as we are moving forward to March and April and May. And I hope God is going to give you new revelations and hope. Amen. Number one, when Nehemiah has known nothing else, he doesn't know what else to do, what else to say. And, you know, COVID, you know, how many of you receive a phone call? This relative has died. This family member of the care group people still um, he's in surgery. He's under ventilator and just so many bad news. And you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. One thing we can do, we can sit down and we can weep, <laughs> amen? We can sit down and at least cry to God about this. So that's what Nehemiah did. Verse, verse 3, um, verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. And principle number one I want to share with you is this. The posture of sitting and weeping and praying to God is not a sign of weakness. It is our most powerful weapon, <laughs> Amen. When we sit in God's presence and we weep to God, there are something that is healing about it. Our culture wants us to move on and to just slap a band-aid and just pretend nothing's happened. But kingdom culture, listen to this, guys. God's kingdom culture is for us to sit uncomfortably with our pain and suffering and burden and talk to God honestly about it. And there's something powerful about it. Amen. It is to cry out to God to complain and groan and mourn and express to God our feeling of grief and disappointment. 
And I want to encourage you today and not to not be terrified with sitting and lamenting in front of God. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And Jesus wept in Gethsemane, and Jesus was, was groaning and weeping in Gethsemane. And all over the scripture, you can see that spiritual giants sit and weep, and it moves the heart of God. A few months ago, uh, I asked permission from my son to share this story. Ethan has been having terrible nightmares for years, for months. The, in, the last next, in the past months, it's been very, very intense to the point where he's losing sleep. So at first, I thought it's just like, you know, he's probably having a bad day. He's probably having a dream. But it started to disrupt his sleep. And he started to have eye bags. <laughs> and I started to notice with my husband that I think we need to pray about this. We need to bring this to God and ask for discernment. So nearing Christmas Eve, his nightmares are getting scarier to the point that he cannot even discern whether it's a dream or real life. He can actually hear noise, voices from the enemy. So me and my husband not knowing what to do and asking around for counsel, we sat down and I started weeping to God. When he was at school or he was playing, you know, with his siblings downstairs, I sat down in his room and I start to speak in tongue and weep in front of God. Guys, I just learned this art that is called parking your ark. How many of you know that we carry God's presence wherever we go? When Israelites, they carry Ark of Covenant everywhere they go. Remember that? There's one time where the enemy stole it and parked the Ark in their temple. The Ark was just sitting there, Ark of Covenant. But you know what happened the next morning? All of the idols in that enemy's temple all, all fell down and bowed down in the presence of the Ark. So with that same faith, with that same thing in my heart, I said, Lord, I want to park my Ark in his room. And I started to invite God's presence to fall. And I anoint his pillow, his blanket, his piano, his wall. In the name of Jesus, the enemy has no say over his life. I'm weeping and I'm giving my, all my concerns to God because God, you know. And I started to groan in the spirit because I don't know the root of this. But God knows. Spiritual warfare and and speaking in tongue is your most powerful weapon because when you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for you. So what happened was we're parking, I'm, I was parking the ark in his room, in my daughter's room, in my other son's room, and I started to invite Jesus, show up in their heart, show up in their dream. And I'm parking my, my, the presence of God in this room and move, Lord, because the enemy has no more say upon, upon this territory. What happened last week was my son had a terrible um, foot poisoning. And as I lay hands at night before he sleeps, I started to read Psalm 91 to him every day because of his dreams. I started to just lay hands and speak in tongue. And then in my spirit, God is telling me, the torment is no more. There's not going to be more bad dreams for him. I'm going to heal not only his belly from the stomach ache, from the foot poisoning. I'm going to start to heal his heart and his mind. And I started to receive that word of knowledge from God. And I started to release the anointing to my son. And since then, guess what, guys? No more bad dreams. 
no more it, no more nightmares it's victory and i see his heart change and in, in fact he was he was helping me today with my sermon he was just researching for me i cannot do that we don't need super parent we don't need super humans here we need supernatural parenting in these times of needs we can't do it on our own we need god to intervene Lord, I'm just praying for you to help me to deliver this precisely. Point number two, principle number two that I need to share with you is this. Number one, sit and weep in the presence of God. Cry out to God. Principle number two, worship will get us through the toughest times because it immediately shifts your focus from the problem to the problem solver. So the next thing Nehemiah did after he sit, sit and weep, he mourned and fast and prayed to God. And he said, he started to worship, oh Lord, God of heaven. He shifted his focus from the ruins to the one who can make a difference. Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unveiling love. Listen to my prayer. God, worship is not singing here for 30 minutes every Sunday. It's not like that. It's our everyday attitude to pursue God with all we have. And saying, Lord, without you, we're nothing. We can't do this on our own. Worship is our whole breath. It's our whole being, our everyday attitude to pursue God. Worship will bring us clarity. Worship, open up the heaven and letting God invade every single aspect of our minds and our hearts. It gives us God's point of view his confidence, his calling, and his character. God's will will become ours. His power become our power. And his vision become our vision. Let me show you something really interesting that God is showing me lately. During this COVID pandemic, this has become our best friend, Airborne. I'm not endorsing any brand. But this here, right here... Um, has been our trusted friend because it has how many milligrams of 1000 milligrams of vitamin C. It's high in antioxidants. It's excellent source of zinc and selenium. It's original herbal blend including echinacea and ginger and it's gluten free. Amen. So so many powers are packed in this little being here and how many of you know that just like this little tiny airborne here God has equipped us with spiritual gifts, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, to me. But guys, we are nothing without the presence of God. What if I just put this power pack of like little circle in the table and I didn't consume it. I didn't do anything about it. It's just going to sit there. You know, you can't, this guy cannot run around just like, I want to do things on my own, my own plan, my own. No, 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 no. It's not going to happen without that way. Spiritual things needs to happen, needs to be done and dealt with in a spiritual way. And we cannot, we cannot make a change. We cannot make an impact in our city and our family and our children without the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened is this, when you worship, when you immerse yourself in the presence of God, there will be less of us and more of him. Our ambitions, our fear, our malice, our self-centeredness are all dissolving in the glory of his presence. In worship, our purpose and plan, look at this guys, 
our purpose, our own plan and presence will fade away. And His purpose, plan, and presence will take place. This is how we can effectively be an agent of change in this world right now. Through worship, we say, let your will be done, Lord. Let there be more of you and less of us. Let me take a sip. I'm really thirsty. How many of us here, God is calling you to come back to the heart of worship. To come back to the simplicity of the presence of the Lord and the beauty of his presence. Church is not just this building. Church has left the building. Church is in your house. Church is in your living room. Church is in your children's room. And how many of you know two, three people gather in his name? Oh, he's there. He is, he was just there in a constant. No walls he wouldn't kick down. No shadow he wouldn't light up coming after you. So the minute you enter God's presence and say, Lord, I shift my focus to you, he's there. Can you spend a few minutes starting tomorrow being immersed in God's presence every day? In your car, in your room. Just play a heel song. Every, th- every resource are there in your phone. The YouTube, the, the, the Spotify, it's just five minutes. Close your eyes. Just be one in the spirit and let, let God show you his point of view, his perspective. <sighs> Principle number three that I want to share with you is this. Prayer and intercession is what we do to the burden that we carry. Nehemiah continued with an intercession for his people. After he worshiped God, he said, Lord, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Who is your people? Who is the people that God put in our hearts day and night for us to pray for? Who is your people? Do not give up. Breakthrough is coming. Who is your people? God has been putting in my heart lately my grandpa. He's 90. He has diabetes. And he is in lockdown for a year. God says it's him, Joy. Pray for him. This is the year of his salvation. We've been praying for his salvation for 40 years. He is still rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm saying, I'm parking my ark everywhere I go. And I'm mentioning his name to my Lord. Because he is the one that can make a change. Amen? Who are the names? Who is your people? Webster Dictionary. Guys, let me make something straight here. This is very interesting. God shows me that intercession is not an exclusive ministry in church made only for pastors and prayer warriors. No, 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 no. Intercession is a big word, but it's a calling for you and me to turn that burden in our heart into prayer. Simple as that. So everybody is called to be an intercessor. We are taking it to the one who can make a change. Webster Dictionary said that to intercede is to simply stand in the gap. I'm standing here between two situations. God's will and where it's at right now. God's will and where your children's at right now. They're still rebellious. They're still disobedient. God's will of salvation and your family member that's still rejecting the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We step in the middle. We park the ark. We worship him and we start to pray. Jesus, do something. (laughs) I'm not okay with this. I'm never going to be okay with this. This is not according to your will. You do something. And that intercession moved the heart of God. That is way more powerful than any word you can ever say. And my friend, 
Pastor David Thomas yesterday say something really profound that really changed my heart. He said this, you know what? I am committed to talk, about, talk to God about my children, talk to God about my children, than to actually talk to my children about God. Because that's intercession. We can't change the situation, but God can. So how many of us are committed to talk to God more about your people than to talk to your people about God? Amen? Amen? I want to read to you Luke 9, verse 38. Oh my goodness, this stubborn dad. My goodness, this is so amazing. Let me show you something in Luke 9. Jesus was there in the crowd, and there's this, like, this man that is very, very stubborn, very, very burdened. That's the word for his son. What happened was his son was being tormented by the evil spirit. So what happened in Luke 9 was that this guy keeps calling to God. Verse 30, Luke, Luke 9, verse 37. This is not just a message for the parents, but this is for also for you, spiritual parents that are burdened with some people in your heart. When Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowd. No, sorry, that's not it. The next day after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. And then a man in the crowd called out to him, teacher, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. And then a lot of times the disciple has tried, but it, didn't, didn't, uh, it wasn't successful. But this man kept begging God, teacher, 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 I beg you to look at my son. I'm encouraging you today to cry out to God about your situation. Teacher, look at my husband. Teacher, look at my parents. Teacher, look at my mom. Teacher, look at my schools teacher look at my children don't give up until God respond to you and in the end God says this and then Jesus said to the man bring your son here and he was healed so today Jesus is is is, is, is telling all of us bring it here bring your problems to me bring your son and daughters to me and I will bring healing to them Guys, there's a call for intercession in this place to pray and walk around our city, to park the ark in the, in, in our, our, in, in the Planned Parenthood clinics in this area, in our church, in our neighborhood, in your children's room, in your office, in, in, your, in your dorm, in your apartment. If you are called to intercede for your community, let's get together. There's a reason why this church is located in the heart of the city of Seattle. Let's not fool ourselves here. Look around. Around us, there's so many broken and hurting people. The homeless encampment, the prostitution, the people, the teen moms walking to that clinic wanting to abort their babies. What are we going to do about it? What is the church of God? going to do about it this building right here the place we are worshiping every sunday we are not located in a really prestige location in bothell or in bellevue we're in northgate area and there's a lot of broken people around us when are we going to start to go out come down from our palace and start to build 
This is not Pastor Irwin's job. This is a call for you and me to intercede and to pray. Our city is in ruins. The walls have been broken down. The gates have been destroyed. I'm almost done here, guys. I need just about 10 minutes for you to just lean in and receive this word from the Lord. The fourth principle I want to share with you is this. Repentance is the start of a true revival. We heard revival left and right. People wanting to go to the street and shout the name of Jesus. That's good. That is awesome. That's excellent. How many of you know, though, that revival starts with our own heart? We need to repent. We need to be done with all the sin that hinders us and slow us down. And we have to run, run. We have one life. We don't have much time. We don't, we don't know when our family member is going to go see Jesus. And our time frame is not forever. No, no, no. It's urgent. This is so urgent. Nehemiah 1 verses 6 to 7, with urgency he cried out to God and is like, Lord, I confess that we have sinned against you. Lord, yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulation that you gave us. If you want to see revival, it starts with our own personal repentance. What are the area in your life that you need to give it back to Jesus? Nehemiah was repenting for his own apathy towards the words of God. I repent. We repent for not having the appetite for the word of God as we have the appetite for the images of the world. There has been so many noises lately. There have been so many news and images lately that we worship other than God. Look, guys, in this modern day, we don't bow down to the golden calf anymore. But the idolatry is still there. It's not a golden calf. It's an image. It's still an image. It's an image of yourself. It's an image of myself. It's an, an image that you built. It's an, an image of darkness that you, you let it into your soul, the place where the, Holy, the, the place of the Holy Spirit dwells. You let the Holy Spirit see that. The rule of thumb is simple. If you have Jesus next to you and that makes him uncomfortable to watch what you watch, then don't watch it. It's time to be done with it. We have no time for that. I'm gonna, we have work to do. I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter 2. So get rid of all even beha evil behavior. Be done with it. Be done with all deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and all unkind speech. Be done with all that. Today is the day that God is going to destroy that images to the ground just like God destroyed that golden calf in the, in, the, in the feet of Mount Sinai. Lay it down. This is the day of our repentance. We have no time for that. Peter continued by saying, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you had taste and see that the Lord is kind. 
what Peter meant in, by the spiritual milk is, is not what Paul meant in Hebrew when he said metaphor milk is when he asked immature Christian to grow up spiritually. No, 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 no. Peter here talk about pure spiritual milk as the word of God that we have to crave daily like our life depends on it. The original word of crave is to, in, to intensely crave possession, to earnestly desire, to greatly long for the presence of God and the word of God every day in our life. Have you ever seen the newborn baby crave for milk? They have a schedule of feeding for two hours every day. And if we miss that mark, oh my gosh, they can scream. <laughs> All the moms are cringing. Oh, what a fun memory. My girl could scream if she's hungry. She would just scream and scream until we got that bottle and she'll stop. We don't have that appetite anymore. We've grown cold to the word of God. We are so full with everything else that the world is feeding us. You know that, do you know that culture is the anesthesia that's slowly infusing the worldly, worldly value? And that is like a, a drug. <laughs> that silence the fire that God has inside of your bones. And we cannot let that happen anymore. We have to be done with it. And we have to crave that spiritual milk, that word of God that refreshes us, that give you new vision, give you new hope, give you new purpose in life. Let's crave that. <laughs> Cry out for this nourishment. There's a call to return to your first love. Revelation 2 said, I know your deeds. I know your hard work and perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name. And I have not grown, you have not grown weary. But I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. What are the things you did at first when the first time Jesus met with you and me? I will invite the musician to come. The Spirit, as we worship and pray, the Spirit is going to show you the picture of that burning bush moment in your life when you first received the love of Christ. That first touch, that first encounter with Jesus, that was so beautiful. It might be in the youth group camp. It might be in the conference. It might be in Pastor Rajan's retreat. God has spoken something in your heart and somehow it has buried deep into your spirit. But God said, Lazarus, come out today. It has, the deal is still on. The calling is still there. I just need to call out the Lazarus and you to stay alive, to be alive and to encounter with the Lord of Lords again. God is going to give you images of when you were young you were jumping up and down in a mission trip or in an altar, speaking in tongue and just freely worshiping your creator. Jesus is longing for that encounter with you every day. He's not done with you. Lastly, I'm going to close with this. Guys, it's time to go to work. I'm going to probably... If Pastor Irwan or uh, any one of you pastoral team allow me, I will continue with the second part of this sermon. I'm not going to finish it today. But once we repent and put God first in our life, there is work to do. We have work to do. And there is a 
connection why God is choosing Nehemiah. And he is not even a construction builder. He's not even a construction worker. He could have picked somebody that has been in construction to build walls, that has experience for 30 years, you know, in construction. But he picked a cupbearer. What does that have to do with God's calling? What does that have to do with anything? The last principle I want you to write down and chew for the, for the next few days, few weeks is this. Guys, you are never randomly placed in this season where you're at right now. You are not randomly placed. You are strategically positioned for God's calling. The cup bearer at that time, this will blow, it blew my mind because actually the cup bearer, it seems like just a butler, right? It's just a king's butler. But in that age, in Persian uh, history, a cup bearer was like a, a secret agent service. He's the king's, the president's second-hand man. He's the one that was there uh, when the food is served and he has to taste it because if somebody poisoned the king, he's, he's going to be the one who died. So if the enemy wants to kill the king, they cannot just enter the court because they're going to get killed right away with the bodyguards. They have to bribe the cupbearers. So once the cupbearer is bribed, they have full access to the king. He can just poison him anytime. So this cupbearer holds a very, very special anointing and purpose, and he cannot be bribed by the enemy. He has to be loyal. The craziest thing is also this cupbearer will, will, will attend all of the king's secret meetings. <laughs> when the kings are meeting with other um, leader of the nation, the cupbearer will stand there. He will hear everything, all of the secret uh, strategies, all of the secret um, uh, military um, uh, strategies that were shared in that room. He knows everything. The king would often turn to the cupbearer and ask for their opinion. The cupbearer really advised the king. So he had really prominent influence. So guys, the training that Nehemiah had as a cupbearer is more than just a butler. He learned about respecting boundaries. He learned about loyalty. He learned about authority, function in the teamwork. He learned about logistics and supplies. He learned how to serve the king loyal, loyally, about tact, how to speak with great wisdom. He learned about humility. All of that is needed for his calling. So you might see yourself as a butler right now. I'm just here wiping nose and wiping little butts, you know, and um, I'm here driving people around and I'm here just serving my boss like crazy. They treat me as a slave. I'm underpaid. But hey, 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 you're not randomly placed. There's a specific training that God is putting you right now for that assignment that only you can do. You're learning about humility. You're learning about perseverance. You're learning to cry out to God in prayer intercessions. You're learning how to fast. You're learning patience. Nothing is coincidence. Guys, it's time to come back to the heart of worship. It's time to cry out to God in repentance and in worship and intercession. We have the devil to chase. We have souls to save. We have work to do. So wherever you are right now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your hands right now and surrender to the King of Kings. I want to pray first is for the people who are called to build. There's this deep passion inside of you, 
to pastor people, to shepherd people, to bind the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to set the prisoners free. God has anointed you for such a time like this. Rise up. Rise up. This is your time. We, we have no more time to waste. The walls is in ruins. The gates are, are burning. We need you. Rise up. If this is you, put your hands in your heart and say, Jesus, here I am, Lord, send me. You don't need superhuman, super Christians. You just need available servants with the anointing of Jesus Christ, with supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God will enable you. If this is you, put your hands in your heart. There's a call for intercession. If you are called to do prayer walk around this area, prayer walk around Shoreline, around Bothell, around your campuses, around your children's campus, message me. I'll walk with you. I'll pray with you. We, we will part our ark. This community is for the glory of Christ. Number two, if there's a call for repentance, if there's some of you here that are still having other voices and other images in your life, this is a time, this is a place for you to lay down in the altar and say, Lord, no more. I am done with it. Listen, 1 Peter 2 says this, they stumble because they, don't, they do not obey God's word. So they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are chosen people. You are royal priests a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for He called you out of that darkness into His wonderful light. This is your identity. This is our identity. Once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you receive God's mercy. My friends, there's a call for repentance to lay down everything else that replaced the Word of God in our life, replaced the presence of God in our life. That is idolatry, plain and simple. The Word of God said, be done with it. You have no space for that anymore. You have work to do. You have a calling to fulfill. Your people is depending on you to stand in that gap and intercede. Why don't you rise up? In the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, I'm praying right now for my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for myself, Lord. God, if some, some of us here are burdened with something, this is, this is my last call. My last prayer is for somebody who has been burdened with a name or a family member or somebody that God has continuously poked you with again and again. And he wouldn't stop. He was just like, no matter how, how hard you shake it off, it's the burden is there. The burden is never for you to carry. The burden is for you to sit down and cried out to God because we are coming to the one who can make a difference. And Jesus, I'm praying for that burden right now, Lord, just like Nehemiah. Lord, we lift it up to you. Lord, I'm praying for our family member back home in Indonesia, in Japan, in China, in Taiwan, uh, wherever they are right now. Jesus, I release the work of the Holy Spirit to be with them. We cannot be there just like Nehemiah is 900 miles away from Jerusalem. He couldn't do anything, but he could pray. He could release, he could bind all of the spirit of unbelief. He could bind all the spirit of, of, of um, uh, rebellion. And he can release the presence of God wherever they are. Show up in their dreams and vision. God, heal our land. 
heal our parents, heal our grandparents. Give them salvation in the name of Jesus. I pray some of you here has been burdened with bad news. This is prayer for you, that you are the change agent. God is going to do something fresh in your situation. Just lean in and listen to Him. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, that there's going to be an encounter and a burning bush experience for us with you every single day of our lives. We are not going to be satisfied with just mere Christianity. That is service. That is just serving lip service and just showing to people how close they are to God. No, I'm praying, Lord, for intercessors that will close their doors and pray to you in secret, in secret, in secret, in secret. And God is going to reward you in public. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the call of prayer today. Thank you that we will come back to our first love. Thank you for your builders, that we're not just butlers in this place. We're not randomly placed, but we're strategically positioned. And Lord, I speak, Lord, for fresh anointing, for fresh wisdom to fall upon all of us today. Let Monday comes and we find a new spirit and a new fervent, a new perseverance for us to build your kingdom. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. Unite your church. We are so longing for the time we can come back and worship in this place again. But meanwhile, Lord, be with them. Two and three people gather in your name. You are present. Be with us in our living room, in our car, in our kitchen table, in the, our children's room. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.